0: so here's a story on the way to Gateway this morning I I passed two foxes they were just sitting on the train tracks unafraid just chilling in Seaford and well I did what any reasonable person would do I pulled off the road flew it, put it in reverse and drove backwards while filming out the window and I got a video of of those two foxes and they're like what in the world this guy's going backwards I'm out of here are you amazed by that kind of stuff like I am? We had a pair of turtle doves that stayed at our house for years and years and years until one of them died, and now we have that one solitary turtle dove still hangs out at our house, in between our house and Susan's house, Sue, and sits right on the power line at the one spot and sings its little pooh poop poo poo. pooh You know? Do you notice these things? You ever sat out in the woods and... Just listen to the birds. Do you ever go to the beach and just hang out and not do anything? And just let the waves be the most cost-effective emotional healing counselor you've ever had not to pay? (laughs) So I grew up in church with wonderful parents who loved the Lord, but somehow along the way, I got the impression that God was an impossible-to-please judge. And eventually, I rejected that vision of God, which I thought was my only option of what to believe in about God. So in other words, I eventually rejected God. But that only lasts so long. You're still alive, If that's not what you're going to live for, what are you going to live for? So I began to go from running from what I knew I didn't want to trying to figure out what I do want. And I remember my cousin Keith saying to me one day, Do you believe in truth? Because I was deconstructing and arguing. He would say who God was, and I would argue. And he would say, well, here's the outcome of faith, but then I would argue. So instead of arguing with me, he asked me a question. Tim, do you believe there's such a thing as truth? I said, yeah, I do. Well, do you think you can know the truth? And I thought, if, if you are here on planet Earth, and it is your destiny to never know why, you just can't know it. What a cruel, sick joke by whoever made this thing up. And it just intuitively, I was like, yeah. Of, of, yes, there's got to be some truth, some, some purpose to our existence, and we should be able to discover it. I'm not going to share all the details, but I, that same weekend since we were out in the Colorado Rockies, I sat there overlooking, I'm on the side of a mountain overlooking a valley, and across the way is another mountain. And I'm sitting on the side of this mountain with my guitar in my hand, sitting on a rock, And hummingbirds are visiting me because I was wearing a colorful tie-dyed shirt that resembled flowers, and they were attempting to discover if this individual that seemed to be smelling of nicotine smoke maybe had any nectar to offer. And I didn't. And I watched an eagle, without flapping his wings much, just sort of ride the, the currents across the way, and down here is a creek flowing through this valley and the beavers have made a dam, which has turned it into a pond. And then the sun began to set, and it changed the clouds, a beautiful peach and purple and magenta and all sorts of colors that make you feel all the feelings. And in that moment, a voice said, You know I'm real. And I said Oh no (laughs) You got me I do know you're real But I don't know you And I don't trust you It took a few more encounters like that For me to finally say Okay So whoever this God is This God isn't like the Sunday school version of God That a child's mind Made I'm not my Sunday, there's nothing wrong with my Sunday school teachers. It's not my point. There was nothing wrong with my parents. There was nothing wrong with my church. But there was something wrong with my understanding of God. And I had gotten away from this judge of rules who I couldn't keep and started to go, what is life for? And I knew what I wanted. Whoever made this made me, and made me with certain passions. I love my friends, I love music, I love poetry, I love literature, I love hanging out, I love romance, I love the physicality of the world, I love food, I love the smell of the grass after the rain, I love the haze in the morning that hangs out over the yard before the sun has dissipated it. I love the sound a robin makes when it sings. I don't love the sound of the grackles in the tree while they crap on my car. Just throwing that out there for free. Not every bird is friendly to me. I love the creation. I can't help but love it. I can't help but feel a sense of awe and wonder about it. And so the idea of going into a dark building with people to be told what not to do by a God who will throw you in hell forever if you don't do a good job, felt like, what does this have to do with all this? Are we tracking? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Garth, don't check the checkbox, because he's, do you know what I'm saying? Check. At council meeting I saw Garth had like 27 like lines with like he he'd reach 4 and then he, the fifth one he would do the diagonal. I, I, I noticed that he kept I would say something and then he would go mm-hmm, and he'd check. I said, "What are you doing?" He said, "Every time you say, "Do you know what I'm saying?" I make a check mark or I <laughs> and now I notice myself saying it all the time. I was introduced to the God of goodness, beauty, and truth. The God that actually made everything, you know. It's, it's interesting. When Mark Yoder was here a few weeks back, he said, when I grew up, we kind of, some of us youngsters had the impression that we had to choose between uh, going after fun and pleasing Jesus. And he said, I've gone after pleasing Jesus, and man, it's been fun. Some of them chose fun, and they're still wondering when it's going to start. That's so deep. I, I rejected my child vision of a, of a law-giving God whose answer to everything was no. <laughs> Can we? No. But what if we? know?" Yeah, but we're not going to... We just want to know. And we kind of got the impression sometimes that... that the devil's the one with all the fun stuff. And God's the big killjoy with nothing but no. Forgetting that Jesus invented all the good stuff. And Jesus designed us to enjoy the good stuff. And the devil hasn't made anything ever. He's a parasite. All he can do is take what God made to be really, really awesome and tempt you to use it in a way that ends up hurting you and other people instead. That's his whole game. To lie to us and tell us we don't have things we already do have and that we can't do things that we're called to do in a certain way. God's way. But that's who I encountered out there on the mountain. Was the God who made, cover your ears children, romance and sex and food and fun and poetry and friendship and adventure and work and science and molecular biology and astronomy and black holes, and gravitational pull, and dark matter, and... When I look at Nikki Burris, I think, this girl knows how to do the math problems that I look at and say, someone who knows how to do math like Nikki made a bridge. And I'll just write a song about it, because I ain't making a bridge. It'll fall down. But Jesus designed all that stuff and understands it comprehensively. All right, let's read the passage. Is it on? Oh, it's up. Awesome. Colossians 1.16. It just takes me a long time to preach a few verses. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus. The little baby in the manger in Bethlehem, that Jesus. The Galilean who told parables to confuse people so that he would hide the truth from those who weren't hungry but for those who were, that Jesus. He's no afterthought. He's not actually this size, do you know what I mean? This Jesus... By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. You know this story. I worked at the gas station, and one of my friends came up to me, who was the guy who was the cook at the gas station. It was Cluckers Corner Market. Cluckers, because we sold chicken, and that chicken was amazing. We also had sandwiches and pizza and sodas and lottery and scratch-off, and every time I would sell cigarettes to people, not every time, but lots of times when I would sell cigarettes to people, I would try to convince them to stop smoking. (laughs) Yeah, and when they'd come in on Friday and blow half their money on on scratch offs, I'd be like, "What are you thinking? Why are you doing this? That's probably not what you want from your employees, right? To try. Why are the employees attempting to get people to not buy so much stuff from us?" But one of my coworkers said, "I think I think the devil invented dinosaurs. I think the devil invented dinosaurs so that we would find their bones and believe in evolution instead of the Bible." And I said, that's an interesting theory. Uh, Here's Colossians chapter one. I took him right here. I said, so it says Jesus created everything visible and invisible. Uh, Are dinosaurs visible or invisible? And he's like, visible. And I'm like, I see your point. That's a pretty big devil doing some weird stuff if he can make dinosaurs and then make everything look millions of years old just to fool us. Wow, I bet he fooled me into thinking I'm actually here, but I'm a brain in a jar somewhere else. Here's here's a couple truths about if Jesus made everything, comprehensively made everything, he made everything, he made everything. If he made everything... Is there even is there any space in the whole universe left for anything that's not spiritual? Is there a secular world? There is no such thing. All there is is Christ's. So that means that every moment of every like no matter where you go in this world, you're looking at his create creatures, aren't you? Everything, everyone. Everything, everyone. So you never leave his presence and you never leave his property. So wait, does that mean? does that mean that you could do any job at all, and it could be worship? You could build bridges, you could, you could work in environmental care, you could build houses, you could do counseling, you could be a school teacher, you could be an astronaut, you could be a, an airline pilot, you could work in food services. You, like, Is there any field of vocation that isn't dealing with his stuff? So everything is spiritual and everything is Christ's, right? And there's no secular world. And there's no secular people everyone is spiritual whether they know it or not and there's no there's every every good and perfect gift is yours to enjoy have you ever think it's weird when churches don't have windows do you know in our tradition when we tried to get back to the bible one of the things we did was we smashed all the paintings We smashed all the art from the churches. We went back to plain white walls with no pictures of anything, no pictures of Jesus, because we thought that's violating no graven images. But wouldn't God then be violating no graven images when his son took on flesh and came among us? Doesn't the principle of Jesus, just like we switched the Sabbath from Saturday to the Lord's day in honor of his resurrection, Doesn't that maybe mean that Jesus is such a big deal that we're going to have to rethink how we've understood certain commands? And look at your Old Testament tabernacle. It's so beautiful and filled with artwork and filled with smells and filled filled with symbols. How did we get from beauty conveying a sense of his presence and goodness and art and uh, Aholiab, Bezalel and Aholiab? You remember these two guys when they're building the tabernacle? God says to Moses, hey, check out Bezalel and Oholiab. I've put my spirit in them, and they're skilled in all kinds of crafts, and they can carve, and they can draw, and they can paint. And they can embroider. And they're given detailed instructions to make beautiful art to fill God's tabernacle. God likes sights and smells. And I said this last time, but can you imagine the Puritans writing a book like the Song of Songs, Song of Solomon? If you've ever read the Song of Solomon, you know it's a celebration of heterosexual, monogamous, physical romance. It is intense. We used to laugh about it and read it during church when we were teenage boys. They'd be up there preaching serious sermons, and we would be like, chuckle, chuckle, look at this verse, chuckle, chuckle. Why? Because it's actually racy. Would the Puritans make that book and put it in their Bible? No, they would not. Would we put it in our Bible? If I'm honest with you, I probably wouldn't have put it in mine. When's the last time you wrote a poem to your lover celebrating their body? in detail, and then read it in church and put it in the Bible. It's right there in your Bible. What kind of a theology gives birth to a culture that drinks wine and dances? I said this last time, and I felt like I needed to explain it more fully. First off, just so we're clear, I do not drink alcohol because the Holy Spirit told me not to, but I do not judge you if you drink alcohol responsibly to the glory of God, like Jesus did. But if you, like me, are led differently, then please be obedient to that. But what does it say about the doctrine of God as our creator, or of Jesus as our creator, that he gives us everything richly for our enjoyment? Because I know we humans have a tendency, if something can be abused, we make a rule that no one's allowed to touch it. As I often say as I'm complaining, this is why we can't have nice things. I take a walk in my woods and I see litter. And I want to punch the world a little. By which I mean those who litter. I was like, I'm going to make a public service announcement. Hey, you people who are littering are probably the same kind of people who lie and steal from old ladies and you're going to hell. And then I thought, Maybe I ought to back up and slow down and get in touch with God's heart a minute. (laughs) Oh, come on. You guys know sometimes you react the same way to stuff. (laughs) So everything is spiritual. Jesus as creator is very world-affirming, very life-affirming. There's no secular world. Everything is spiritual. The devil never created any pleasures. Jesus created all of them. And then I hear a voice that says, well, yeah, Tim, but what about, what about, what about 1 John 2.15 that says, don't love the world or anything in the world? Because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What about that, Tim? Gotcha. Ha ha, ha 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 ha. -ha. Painted you into a corner. And I would say, well, first off, let's make sure we understand what what the Apostle John means by world. Because the same apostle that said don't love the world said that God so loved the world that he gave his only son in order to save the world, not condemn it. So if God loves the world, but the same guy who said God loves the world said we're not supposed to love the world, what are we missing? Maybe, maybe they're using the word world differently in those two verses. Maybe, just maybe, worldliness means ungodly values. Just maybe the world we're not called to love, but we're called to hate, is a system that exalts us instead of Christ. Selfishness. Idols instead of Christ. Are you with me? See... But here's the thing, maybe maybe you've learned this, I'm still learning this. Everything can be an idol or a gift. If it's an idol, it's in competition with Jesus for my love. But if it's a gift, it actually increases my love for Jesus. My enjoyment of my wife can be an idol. Remember when Jesus said, you got to love your family less than me? you got to actually, well, he said strong words. Anyone who does not hate, mother or father, can't be my disciple. And you go, what in the world? You told us to love everyone, then you tell us to hate people. No, it's a Jewish expression, meaning you prefer. If you had to choose between the two, you're going with God. Your allegiance, your ultimate allegiance is to God, not your biological family which is interesting. Americans get that one wrong all the time, especially the church. Have you noticed this? We're like, it's, it's, it's Jesus, then family, then church, and then work, and then ministry or something. Preachers get all these weird things. And there's Jesus hanging out in the midst of a house, and the kingdom has come, and he's ministering to people. Now, that, the word minister is a Bible word. Let's see if I can translate it. He's loving on people. That's a little easier. And here comes his mom and brothers, and they're there because they go, oh, Jesus has lost his mind, we got to collect him. And he says, who are my... They go, oh, Lord, your, your, your mom and your brothers are outside, you better go see them. That's priority numero uno. And he says, who are my mother and brothers? Whoever does the will of the Father, that's my mother and brothers. So there's deeper deeper commitments, kingdom commitments, than biology. So we're to prefer Jesus to buy a lot. Who's tracking with me? Just Anything can be either an idol or a gift. If it's an idol, it'll compete with my affection and my allegiance to Jesus. If it's a gift, I'll enjoy it in such a way that my love for Christ increases in the enjoyment of it. And that's an issue for the Holy Spirit to lead each of us. Some of us need to forego enjoying certain things until our hearts are lined up in a way where we can enjoy them to the glory of God. That's That's part of the purpose of fasting is it's us detaching from stuff so that our our, our hearts can become more ordered correctly so that we can re-engage with God's blessings in a way where they're gifts. It's interesting to look at end-time deception. Shall we talk about end-time deception for a minute? Oh, end-time deception, I tell you what. I'm slightly making fun of the panicky fear that surrounds that kind of thinking. When I was a kid, it was like, 88 reasons Christ will return in 1988. Look at the USSR. Look at China. Look at this. Look at that. Look at that. See? 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 See?" And you're like, yes, but what's the point of everything you're saying? And they're like, I don't know, but something's going to happen. Let me get this straight. You took 300 pages to tell me you don't know, but something's going to happen. Well, yeah, and you should be freaked out. And get a bumper sticker that says, Jesus is coming soon. Act busy. Uh, what are you doing, Tim? Uh, I was super busy with your will and everything. <laughs> this needed cleaning. Why are you rubbing that with a hat? Yeah, I was. Uh, Here's end time deception. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Right? You ready to know what this is? Deceiving spirits and things taught by demons? It's going to shock you. Number seven of this list. You won't believe. Doctors in Seaford are driving, it's driving them crazy. That's me making fun of clickbaity titles. Deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Now listen, here's what it is. Here's what it is. Ready? It's going to be shocking. They forbid people to marry and they order them to abstain from certain foods. Boy, that really was a letdown. I was expecting, you know, Satan worship and eating babies and... <laughs> You're right, you. I was expecting a little bit more than like... You can't do that because that's fun. But that's the end-time deception. You can't do that, that's fun. You hearing me? That's the end-time deception. You can't do that, that's fun. It's a shrinking view of the goodness of God and his creation. It's it's a view of being intimidated. The demons are inspiring Christians to be afraid of getting infected by the world. We can't touch this, we can't touch that, we can't do that, we can't do that. We're getting painted into a little corner for fear of defilement. That's the end-time deception, guys. Maybe your minds aren't as blown by that as... That's the end-time deception. My dad said they had a special speaker into their church and... They told them about if you ever touch this book or if you own this t-shirt or this record or this CD or this thing, you've got to get it out of your house now because you've got demons and headaches and bills to pay and all these problems because you touched a thing one time that infected and defiled you. You've got to discover and discern what is evil and touched. That one guy, he said a prayer to the devil one time three generations ago and so that whole property is defiled. Don't walk on it. There's a rock in there that was in a seance. It was a little burned. We prayed about it and had a bad feeling. It must be the devil. Oh, I'm exhausted even thinking about that kind of mindset. Meanwhile, here's us walking through a pagan shrine that's filled with demons, and they are parting the way around us because they know who we carry. Oh. Oh. So Will Hart and Ravi, they, they go into the pagan temple and disrupt the demonic worship. They weren't fighting and getting prayed up and having three intercessors and four shofars and pour oil on it. They're just in love with Jesus and he's Lord of all. The end time deception. A tiny Jesus in a church that's intimidated by the devil and therefore can't live in the world and enjoy what God made because it's bad for you. Everything's bad for you. What are we going to do? I'm just going to eat bacon. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> For God created, everything God created is good. Oh, i got to read the whole sentence. They forbid people to marry, and they order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving. By those who believe and know the truth. What truth? It's Jesus's. But that goat was, was devoted to a devil. Who cares? Jesus is Lord. He made the goat. Yeah, but they said the special words, and they did the thing, and they cursed it, and those who eat it will be cursed. Watch me. Thank you, Jesus, for this goat you made. Hallelujah. It's going to nourish my body. and not. This reminds me of St. Patrick going in and cutting down the sacred grove of trees that they worshiped, that they had devoted to the pagan gods, and they were like, kill him. He's going to take, if we don't kill him, the gods will kill us. And then somebody with rational thought says, maybe we ought to just see if the gods kill him. They're so powerful. And then they didn't, and everyone got saved. (laughs) I kind of wish we'd do that about Halloween. Oh, the devil gets a whole day of the year where Christians aren't allowed to participate and go out and meet our neighbors? How about instead we go, we're filled with the Spirit of God. Let's dress up like Mickey Mouse. And go out and say, God bless you in Jesus' name. Give me my free candy. Give me my free candy and then Linda would give out apples and, uh, and Juice Plus gummies because they're actually good, you guys. I got rebuked for eating them. I thought they were gummies. Turns out they were medicine. Well, you know what I'm talking about. But I'm just saying I got in trouble for eating them because they're tasty. How am I supposed to know that these gummies are more expensive than corn syrup gummies? <sighs> See... God made everything good, and it's supposed to be received as a gift to make us love Jesus even more for how good He is, that He's so gracious, He's so kind. Received with thanksgiving because it's consecrated by the Word of God in prayer. I'm going to speak the Word of God over that dumb, demonically whatever goat. I'm going to speak the Word of God over it, and I'm going to pray over it in Jesus' name. And boom, the curse is broken because my God's bigger. Nanana boo boo. Ah. Free. We get free. Great big Jesus who made everything and then we get to be free. We get to be at peace in his world. The whole creation is actually good and it's a tabernacle of Jesus' glory. And when you see it, you go, oh, everything cries holy. It's also groaning. (laughs) It's groaning and so are we who are born again. Because it's not yet how it's called to be. Something went wrong, y'all. But even though it's groaning, it's still his tabernacle. It's still filled with his presence. You know. Ah, uh, I should probably stop talking. Oh yeah, here's here's one application of this of this sermon. Go outside. Just turn that thing off, son, and go outside. I had a dream this morning, and in the dream, I was in a room with some friends, and there was like 20 screens of various shapes and sizes, and there were billboards with moving video advertisements on the columns of the room in the building, and I kid you not, there was a huge widescreen show, uh, TV that wasn't even showing a show, and then we were all uncomfortably watching one show over here, and th- like, I'm- there was like so many screens everywhere. Oh my word, it's killing us. Go outside. (laughs) I should have made that the whole sermon. Read the passage and then say, go outside, and then you're dismissed. Would have been... Well, I would have enjoyed that. It would have been clever. I don't understand. Did we just all get excommunicated? I don't know what happened. The Christian doctrine of creation, it's not about when. When? It's not about, oh, 6,000 years ago. And it's not about how long it took. Were they 24 literal days or were the days, epics, and seasons of, of a process that took millions of years? You can read my lips. Who cares? The Christian doctrine of creation is about who, not when or how long. And it's not about the past or the future. It's about the present. Jesus currently owns it all, runs it all, is Lord over it all, and he's good and it's good the christian doctrine of creation is beautiful and exciting okay visible and invisible so we've talked about the visible mostly here but what about the invisible well then paul mentions thrones oh it's not up anymore thrones rulers authorities and powers and i looked it up i looked up all the greek words and i got a little frustrated because the people who made the greek lexicons all they said about these words, uh, these are powerful supernatural beings that rule things. And I thought, yes, but if he mentions four kinds, I'm sure there are four ranks, and these are high-ranking spiritual powers and principalities. You've got to give me more detail than they're, these are angels or fallen angels. Come on, give me more. And he didn't give me more. But I will say this, the Colossians... Later on, we find that they are tempted to be distracted by being intimidated by these powers in the way that I described earlier. And they even have visions and experiences where they're like, oh man, if we want to have favor with those demonic powers and those angelic overlords, we're going to we're gonna have to follow these Old Testament things better because these, these, these rituals, if we, if we tick them off, we'll lose their favor. The angels are here to serve us, but if we don't follow the right protocols, we're going to get in trouble. Because they had this vision of, we're down here on earth, but God's up there in the third heaven, and in between us in the second heaven are these angelic rulers. How are we going to get through? How are our prayers going to get through? How are we going to get to heaven when we die? What are we going to do? We need extra keys and extra codes and extra experiences and extra rituals. And Paul says, hold the dang phone, y'all. Who made those rulers and authorities? Y'all are tempted to worship them. Even the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, when he encounters an angel, it's so beautiful and so powerful. He's tempted to worship. You and I are probably saying, we're not tempted to worship. But I wonder if we're tempted to fear. And fear is a form of reverence. And so, Jesus is Lord over all these things. So Paul's essentially trying to say, hey guys, Let's just get a bigger Jesus. You'll sleep a lot easier and you'll live a lot more richly. You'll be a lot more free. Sermon over. Go ahead and stand. That's how they told me at seminary to end sermons. Just say, Sermon over. No, they didn't. Kate and Pete, I think you guys got the mic now.
1: Father, bless this congregation. Bless all that are here. Bless all that we reach today and all that we go home and spend time with each other, Father, and... Open our eyes to see all the little things, the little things in our lives that you put in place to bless us, all the little things, time of family, the food on our tables, the things we enjoy, the home we live in, our animals, the beauty outside, the beauty and laughter. Let us see all the little things, Father. Let us enjoy each other's company. Let us connect one together as a family. Let us seek your face daily, Father. Bless each one of us as we leave today. In Jesus' name, amen.